first several times I watched that, I was thinking, poor Bugs Bunny. And then as I watched it this morning, I was thinking, poor Elmer Fudd. I mean, he really had the short end of that stick, I think. <laughs> so I was thinking about this um, mini-series over the next two weeks. Oh, yeah, by the way, you get me two weeks in a row, and <laughs> Craig McAndrews, listen, Craig McAndrews, he did this great job kicking, kicking off our July speaker rotation last week while Rick is on study break. And I have this privilege to actually give the message in back-to-back weeks for the first time ever. And so it's time to lower the expectation bar from where Craig said it last week. And then in, in, in a couple of weeks, on the 24th, you can lift it right back up again because Chris Ward will be here teaching you. And then, yes, our all-star July closer, Ricky Bolden, will be here on July 31st. And um, so, yeah. Let me, let me tell you a little bit about where we're headed this week uh, and next week. Uh, We'll get on with today and and with Bugs Bunny here. The title for today and next week, Living in the Vision of God, for this mini-series, it actually comes from this short devotional that I read five or more years ago that was written by a man named Dallas Willard. And and though the content of these weeks doesn't necessarily follow the content of that devotional, that title, it kind of stuck me in the ribs all the way back then And it's kind of remained this billboard, if you will, for my life as my spiritual journey has progressed. And while most often it's usually the content of a message or of a series in which the title is created, it was the title, that living in the vision of God billboard for me, that kind of has driven the content for these two weeks. And so it's kind of like the tail wagging the dog. And so this week and next week, I want to share with you what living in the vision of God has, went, has meant for me with the hope that you might resonate with it in some way that maybe it would even become kind of this mini billboard for you as well. And so back to Bugs Bunny, actually more specifically to that song that you heard in the video. As I prepared for the message this morning, that song, it kept popping into my head. Have you ever heard that song before? It always feels... Yeah, right, I'm going to sing it. Yeah, It always feels like somebody's watching me. It's this perfect theme song for this morning. It should always feel like somebody is watching me because the truth is, somebody is. I know that I am literally living in the vision of God. My life 
is always in God's line of sight, always in, in his line of sight. And I believe the same thing is true for you, that at the same time that God is watching me, he's watching you. And I think that there can be great gain for us if we would just remind ourselves of that truth this week. So that's this week. Like, what do we do with this idea that we're literally living out our lives in the vision of God? And then next week, I want to explore what it might look like as we figuratively live our lives out in the vision of God. That we might somehow place ourselves into the line of sight that he has as he's watching other people. Such that our vision would be reshaped by his vision. And that because we would see people through this filter that he sees them, that our hearts might be captured, maybe even broken by what captures and breaks his heart. So does that make sense? That's where we're going the next two weeks. If it doesn't make sense, it's going to be a really long two weeks. But um, So here, this week, I want to talk to you about us literally living in the vision of God. In other words, that he's watching us, that he's watching us. And we need to start first just by being on the same page of what it means when I say that we're living in God's vision. We have to, we have to get on the same page in, that, in terms of that word vision because God's vision or God's sight, it's very different than our sight. The full nature of his vision, it goes way deeper than just seeing this surface level picture of what we're doing, let's say, on the outside. Rather, the wholeness of his vision It penetrates us to the very core of who we are and of what we're about when he sees us. And there are two attributes of God that combine together to kind of form the total nature of his vision that I need to share with you. And the first one is that God is everywhere present all the time. God is everywhere present all the time. And then this second component of God's vision, the second attribute, is that God is all-knowing about everything and everyone, that there is nothing, there is no one that has ever been or that ever will be that God hasn't, doesn't, and won't know inside and out. And when you put these two attributes together, they form this supernatural vision that God sees people with. And he sees everybody with this vision these attributes, they, they apply with no distinction to whether somebody believes in God or doesn't believe in God. As these attributes are true about him, then they're true irrespective of whether somebody's a believer or not. And to be sure, for followers of Jesus, there's this added dimension of God's presence for them, of his vision of them, in that scripture says in the moment that a person surrenders their life to Jesus as Lord and Savior, that the Holy Spirit actually takes up residence in their life. And so that, there's this added dimension of God's presence and vision of us as followers of him. But the context and the stories in Scripture about these attributes about God, it makes it very clear that every person, believer or not, is literally living in the vision of God, whether they understand it or not, whether they believe it or not, whether they even want to believe it or not. It's like, it's like oxygen in the air, whether we consciously see it, which we really don't, unless they have the hazer going, I guess. But uh, it, whether we feel it, whether we want to even believe that it's present, none of that changes the fact that it's there, that it's here. And it's that way exactly with the vision of God as well as he's watching his people. And that's a pretty profound truth. And so I want to look at you 
uh, look with you at a compilation of some verses in Psalm 139, uh, which we'll have up on the screens. And as I read them, as you read them with me, look for these attributes of God's presence with us, of his penetrating knowledge about us, because they form the vision, they form his vision as he's watching us. So Psalm 139. O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down and stand up. You know know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You go before me. You follow me. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me. Your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. For to you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Do you see those two attributes about God in that passage? Do you see the fullness of his vision of us? There is no place that we can be that God isn't. It says in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 24, God asked Jeremiah these two rhetorical questions as the nation of Israel is, is living a life as if God, this God that, that called them his special people, as if that he couldn't see them. God says to Jeremiah, can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens and the earth? And of course, the answer to the first question is no. There are no secret places that people can hide from God's sight of them. Verse 16 in that Psalm 139, it says that God even saw us in the womb before We were born. There's no place that we can go to hide from him. And as it relates to that second question, am I not everywhere in all the heavens and the earth? And according to that psalm, the answer is a resounding, yes, God is everywhere in all the heavens and in all the earth. But he doesn't just occupy that space. While he's in it, he is intently watching us. He is intently watching you. He is intently watching me. It says in Job chapter 34, verse 21, God watches how people live. God watches how people live. He sees everything that they do. And so God is everywhere, and God sees everything. But then just to round out this wholeness of his vision, we see it's not just this surface-level vision. It's this to the core of our being, this intimate knowledge of who we are. The psalm that we read, it said, God has examined our hearts and he knows everything about us. It even says he knows our thoughts. And then there's this story in Luke chapter 5 of this confrontation that Jesus has with some religious leaders. And the text says that these religious leaders, they have these private thoughts about Jesus. And verse 22 in that story, it says, Jesus knew everything they were thinking. Jesus knew everything they were thinking, and then he takes them to task on it. And if you look at the original Greek word in that verse that we've translated as knew, that Jesus knew, it means to examine thoroughly and to know with certainty. 
to examine thoroughly and to know with certainty. This was not some educated guess on Jesus' part. Jesus could actually see into the thought life of their minds. Can you see the wholeness of God's vision? When he sees us, he sees all of us. He sees everything on the outside, and he sees everything on the inside, everywhere, all the time. And I don't know about you, but when I try and wrap my head around that, I kind of get this this brain cramp. It's so hard for me to relate to because it doesn't line up with what I know to be true about people. And though I've heard these truths about God before, many of you have too, and, and though I believe them, and many of you do too, so often when I begin to think about what God is like, I have this tendency to just default to what I know people are like. People are definitely not everywhere all the time, and they don't know everything. Well, except for my mother, or so it seemed over the course of my life. I don't know how she does that, but seriously, people are finite. And finite objects, they have a location. They're somewhere, and this necessarily prevents them from being somewhere else at the same time, right? I mean, we just know that. People are definitely not everywhere present. And though we may say to someone, I know what you're thinking, I know what you're thinking, at best, for us, those are simply educated guesses. Our knowing what somebody is thinking or feeling falls far short of the certainty about what God knows about our thoughts and our feelings. And sometimes, even as I know that God is out there, I have to confess that all too often I project these limitations of people onto God, onto what I think God must be like, instead of letting God just be God. I just, I do that. I do, sometimes I just take God and I, I kind of put him in a box, and then I can take him with me if I go somewhere or not, like just like I do with, with people. Man, we do that, honestly, we do that all the time with people, and I think we do that all the time with God. But God, he's not subject to the limitations of space and time and knowledge like people are. And it's inaccurate and it's spiritually fatal for us to think of him in this way. Because if, if we stick him in that box, consciously or subconsciously, the truth is it just it affects what we do. Because we lose this awareness that he's still watching us. And so even as I have tried over the years to keep this billboard that I'm living in the vision of God, this profound truth that God is always watching me, as I've tried to keep that active in my mind and my heart and my life, because I know that it makes a difference for the better when I do that, I confess that there's just too many times where my awareness of the fact that I am literally living in the vision of God with this supernatural vision that he has, it just kind of fades to black for me. And as it does that, then I begin to live my life in this perception vacuum that I've created that's devoid of God. And I got to tell you, when I do that, I get in trouble. I don't know about you, but when I do that, it's when I get in trouble. And God, he hasn't gone anywhere. But for any number of reasons, sometimes it's apathy, Sometimes it's ignorance or selfishness or fear. I just get numb to this penetrating vision that he has in my life and for my life. And I forget, or frankly, I purposefully, I just ignore these attributes of God. 
I just, I just forget or uh, sometimes I purposefully ignore the fact that I am living out my life in the bright lights of the vision of God. It's this awareness problem that I have. And it's when I'm at my worst, behaviorally and emotionally. And I bet that for many of you, for any number of reasons that probably look a lot like mine, you do the same thing. You have this awareness, this awareness problem that God is watching you too. And I think that, that God has given us this gift of his full vision on us to keep us out of the weeds, behaviorally and emotionally, because what the world does is the world drags us into the weeds. He's given us this gift. And it's kind of like it's in this box and we take it out and, and we get to have this gift, but then every once in a while we just shove it back in the box. And I get the fact that many in the room might instinctively say, well, I don't want or I don't need somebody watching me all the time, let alone God. That kind of gives me the creeps. The truth is, it's like oxygen, remember? Your desire, your perception doesn't change the reality. And so as I was thinking about this idea of being watched by someone, it occurred to me first how early in life that we developed this awareness of being watched, and then secondly, how that awareness actually does shape what we do. Frankly, I think it's part of our DNA, and it starts affecting our behaviors at this early age. I'll give you this small, if not a little crude, example. My grandson, William, he's going to be three in about two weeks. And in the last year, there's been this developmental stage in life where his awareness of being watched has obviously begun to affect his behavior. For instance, about six months ago, when William had to do his business, do you know what I mean by that? When, when William had to do his business, he just did it. He, just, he had this diaper on, of course, but truth be told, that was more out of convenience for his parents than for him. When it was time to go, William, he just went. And he went without this care or thought in the world. But something began to change as his awareness that people were watching him began to change, to be, began to become more prevalent in his life, it began to make this huge difference in his behavior. Now, when he felt like it was time to do business, he would leave the room if other people were in there. Or he would find a corner of the room or a piece of furniture to hide behind in his thinking that he was out of the line of sight of other people. Like, he, he began to have this behavioral response to this awareness that he was being watched. And if, someone caught, if he caught someone watching him and they didn't immediately look away, it elicited this visceral, emotional response, too. Unbelie I have this little video clip of this playing out. Do you guys want to see it? You're sick. You people are sick. I'm not showing you that. I do have a video, but I'm not showing you. In this age of digital memories, I don't want them to hate me one day for showing you. But like, you probably get the picture in your mind in one way, in that one way, but in other ways too as I've watched him develop. It's begun to make this huge difference in William's life behaviorally and emotionally when he feels like somebody's watching him. And it may be a silly example, but it's true. Behavioral and emotional modification, it takes place when we know or when we think that we're being watched. From this very early age, we gain this increasing awareness that people are watching us. And the truth is, that awareness, it does, 
it absolutely does play an important part in what we do or what we don't do or even how we feel. Whether you want to admit it or not, that's just the truth. And I would argue, not surprisingly, that how well we go about life behaviorally and emotionally can be greatly shaped by who is watching us and when. And so it's, that's why that title to that devotional had such an impact on me, because it gave me this reminder that I am, I am literally living out my life in the very vision of God. And it's why the chorus to that song resonates with me so strongly in a spiritual way, because it reminds me that he is always watching me. I can't escape his vision, and neither can you. Oh, what a wonderful and terrifying truth for us. How comfortable and how uncomfortable it is to know that God sees us, that God is watching us with this supernatural vision every time, everywhere, all the time, and in a way that penetrates even to the very depths of your thinking. If you would even just for a moment claim that truth, to believe that the God of the universe is watching you, has been watching you in the intimate details of your life, just, just right now between you and God, how does that make you feel? How does that make you feel? For some of you, it might make your heart swell with joy as you consider the truth that God has been watching your behavior. He has known your thoughts as you've been radically surrendered to following him and his leading in your life. And you, you probably feel his smile on you right now. What a wonderful and great thing. But I bet for some of you in the room, it might make you squirm in your seat. If you would for a moment just literally believe this is the truth and he's been watching, it might literally make you squirm a little bit in your seat at the realization that your sinful, selfish behavior and thoughts have been laid bare in the sight of the God of the universe even as you were right in the middle of those behaviors and those thoughts. Right now you're thinking back, but right in the middle of those things, God was there and God was watching. And I wonder if you knew that, if you were aware of his presence, might that have made a difference in your behavior? Because behavior, it matters to God. It's part of the reason why he's watching us. It says in Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 19, Jeremiah says, you, that's God, he's talking to God, you see the conduct of all people and you give them what they deserve. It's where the whole idea of reaping and sowing came. You see the conduct of all people and you give them what they deserve. God has set up this system for behavior, modifi- behavior reinforcement And behavior modification based upon what he sees us doing, even what he sees us thinking. The essence of that system, you can find it in Deuteronomy chapter 28, but in its simplest form. As God is watching us, he wants to reinforce good behaviors or obedience, he calls it, with blessings, with these positive consequences. And he does that. And and God attempts to encourage modification of bad behavior in the same system. He calls that disobedience with curses, it says, or with negative consequences. It's just the truth of the way God has created things. This God who is watching us, he's watching what we're doing. 
And he's trying to compel us towards behavior and towards thoughts that align with his best plan for our life. That, that, should, that should mean something. That should make a difference to us. And this God who's watching, he's not just this dispenser of blessings and cursing uh, as he's just idly standing by watching as we figure it out for ourselves. Oh, good job. Oh, not so good, you know. The scripture teaches us that this is a God who wants to talk to us about our circumstances. He wants to guide us in our circumstances. He wants to act on our behalf. He's like right here. He's, have you ever seen a cartoon or a movie or some kind of a show where there's someone, there's like this angel on somebody's shoulder trying to convince them to do the right thing, while on the other shoulder there's maybe the devil trying to convince them to do the wrong thing. Man, that's not far off from the truth. We live, we live in this world where we're being stalked by the devil. We have friends and TV commercials and social media and even our own fleshly desires that, that are around us all the time, or at least we think they're around us all the time, and they begin to speak into the way that we do life. And you got God here, and he's watching us too, and he wants to, he wants to do the same thing. It's why it's so important that added dimension of, uh, of God's presence with us, with the Holy Spirit as we become a Christ follower. Uh, it's why that's so important. Not only is God watching us, but I think in a very real way, you know, that little angel on the shoulder or God on the shoulder is really there, like really like tapping us out. Many of you that, that are Christ followers, you know you have sensed him saying, whoa, hey, hang on there a second. As you've gone about life, as you've been tempted to behave or to think in, in a certain way. It's why it's so important for those of you that are in the room that don't yet know Jesus, that don't yet follow Jesus, you already feel the effects of living in a world that is very ever-present in your face and that's encouraging you to do things that it says is good and is right. And you've seen the wreckage, you've felt the wreckage in your life. And, and all you have to do is, is, is ask God to, um, to come into your life, to forgive your sins. And the Holy Spirit, Scripture says, immediately the Holy Spirit enters your body and you get that added dimension of God watching what you're doing where he might, he might tap you out. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Life is this journey, even when we have the Holy Spirit with us. Life is just this journey of trying to perfect our, aware, our awareness uh, of God. And there's hundreds of aspects of our lives where where we need to be aware that he's with us. And our life's journey is simply figuring out how do we take this awareness that we are literally living out our life in the vision of God with us in everything that we do. I, um, over the many years now of practicing the presence of God, one place that I have that pretty well nailed is in my car. I, when I see my car, when I'm heading towards my car, there's this autopilot switch in me that automatically sees Jesus on the passenger side waiting to get in. I, I know it, it sounds goofy, but you guys, some of you guys have heard me talk about the speed limit before, maybe a dozen times. But I've just come to believe that what God says in Romans chapter 13, verse 1, suggests that I should obey the speed limit. And man, I have been a lead foot my whole life. But over time, I have brought Jesus with me. I have put him in the passenger seat. And every once in a while, I kind of feel him leaning over like this and taking a peek uh, at, the, at the speedometer. It's impacted 
my behavior. And if you ride with me ever and you're sitting in the passenger seat, you're sitting on his lap. I'm just telling you right now. But it may drive you crazy that I'm going down the road here at 45 miles an hour while everybody's doing 50 and, and 55. Um, sorry, but I'm either going to drive faster for you or for me, quite frankly, or I'm going to try and just honor God. And with Jesus there, where I'm literally aware of his presence, it's just made a difference. It's made a big difference in the impressive road rage I used to have too. And, and that's one area of my life, but there are, there are hundreds of aspects of my life that if I could somehow grip the truth that God is with me, that God is watching me in everything that I do, man, I got a pretty good chance of having a pretty good day in what, in what I'm doing. Knowing that somebody is watching us, just because of our nature, knowing that somebody is watching us, that you're in their field of vision, it just yields some accountability. Think about, think about the worst moment, and your worst moment in the last couple of weeks. Just privately, just think about your worst moment in the last couple of weeks. What if you had practiced the presence of God? What if you had this rhythm in your life where you were practicing the presence of God? What if Jesus was standing right there next to you, leaning on the desk as you were getting ready to cheat on that final exam that you didn't prepare for? Or sitting next to you as you began to type that website address into a computer to take you to that pornography site? What if your awareness of his presence elbowed you in the ribs as you gossiped about that girl that used to be your best friend? Or when you took the liberty to just stretch the truth a little bit on your expense report? Or when you reacted with anger and profanity because something didn't go your way? What difference would it have made if you were consciously aware that Jesus was with you, watching you? Now, for some of you, you may say, none. And I say, okay, I've been there, I've done that, and we suffer the consequences for that. But for most of us, we want to do the right thing. We want to honor God with our lives and, frankly, receive the great blessings that he promises us when we do that. Can you start G visualizing Jesus being joined at your hip? I know some people, they get treatment for having imaginary friends. But Jesus is not imaginary, Jesus is real, and you can take him with you everywhere. You can even take him into the bathroom. He has a strong stomach, and he's there anyway. I mean, seriously, there is no place that you go that he isn't. And so if you can begin to build in your mind and in your heart the fact that I am literally living out every step that I take, every breath that I take, with God watching me, with him being with me, and you can visualize that, that will make a huge, huge difference in your life. Because here's the bottom line, whether you like it or not, you are literally and always living in his vision. And this system that he has is still always in play, whether you want to believe it or not. If you would make him this constant awareness, your behaviors would follow, your emotions will follow, and God will allow you to experience this full life that he has to offer. And it, sound, it sounds a little bit simple to say, well, just join Jesus to your hip. Just take him everywhere that you go. But I know it's not easy to live out. I know that. But it's not an excuse. God wants you and he wants me to heighten our awareness of his presence in our life. And friends, I promise you, if we could do that, if you would leave here today 
And you would just begin, and whatever that looks like for you, just ask him, where are those spots, Lord? Where am I most prone to getting myself in trouble behaviorally or emotionally? He'll help you figure out in those places how you might create some cues or something to where when you're in them, it'll make a difference in what you do and how you do it and how you feel. And then you just kind of march along through this rest of this journey and he, he just builds that into us more and more. So I, just, I have a couple of suggestions on how you might go about this very challenging but very profound and important thing. Download the ringtone to that song. It always feels like somebody's watching me. I look, they have one. The name of the artist is Rockwell. Go download the ringtone, set it as your text message alert because you get a thousand text messages a day. And every time your phone goes off and you hear that, what a great reminder that would be. Oh, it always feels like somebody's watching me. Oh, because somebody is, because God is. That, that simple 99-cent thing or whatever, I've never downloaded a ringtone, that could make all the difference in the world. Find some visual cues that remind you that Jesus is with you. Like for me, my car is one of them. And I have some others. Maybe for you, it's your computer. You figure out a way to make your computer a visual cue to remind you that Jesus is with you. Maybe it's your cell phone. None of us go anywhere without our cell phones. If you leave the house, you have it. If you're in the house, it's no more than that far away. So maybe you can do something beyond the ringtone with your cell phone. Get creative. I'm just saying, figure out those places where you where you know that you need to have God's presence so active and aware in your life. Figure out how to make those cues work for you. And then, and these next three, you've heard, you've heard these three in almost everything that we do. And there's a reason, because they're so important in us living out a life where we experience the presence of God. Evaluate your personal, intimate, devotional life. For me, when I am consistently in my time of thoughtful conversation with God through prayer and where I'm consistently in my Bible, my awareness factor of God with me, of his active presence in my life, of his tapping me on the shoulder, it goes on steroids. And, you, and you'd all say probably, yeah, I believe that could be the case. And it would shock you. No, I know it wouldn't shock you. How many people have an intimate devotional life with God that doesn't really exist at all or is so marginal. And so lean into that. If you need help with that, you reach out to us on staff, our pastoral staff. We'll help you figure out how do I make that more active in my life. If you aren't part of a small group which breeds encouragement, which breeds accountability in our journey with God, become a part of a small group. Become a part of a small group. I promise that if you are, and it's a vibrant, healthy small group, that will help you to be practicing the presence of God in your life, and it will make a difference. And then get more consistent in participation with Sunday morning worship. i got to tell you guys, often my most profound encounters and reminders of God's presence in my life come when I'm here with you guys on a Sunday morning. As I'm, as I'm, I'm in the midst of you, and I'm singing praises to God with you, or I'm hearing a word of encouragement from, his, from the Bible about how God is so active and engaged in my life. Often that's the most profound. I leave here and I'm like, he's with me. I got him. And so, so if, if for you, consistency in Sunday morning worship um, could help, then make it help. Look, here's the deal. We are living in the sight line of God, literally, Everywhere, every day, all the time. 
and in a way that pierces us to the very core of who we are. And I think God wants us to be greatly encouraged by his presence as we just radically live out this, his best plan for our life. I hope, it has been my prayer, that you will always feel like God is watching you. Father in heaven, I, man, I do thank you so much for your, um, for your ever-present, all-knowing vision upon my life. Because, Father, it has made this huge, incredible difference as I've gone about trying to live a life that would first honor and love you. But what I've come to experience, Father, is that I best live out my life, behavior and emotionally, in a way that best honors the ones that I love when I am keenly aware of your presence and your sight line uh, over me. And so I pray that for myself. I pray that for my friends. I pray, Father, that there might be even one person in this room that came in not having a relationship with Jesus, that, just, that, that has heard the truth about what you want to do in our lives, that you want to be with us, and that they might, where they've experienced the, the hurt and the pain, even the wreckage of trying to do life by themselves, that they might be captured by the truth that the very God of the universe has them in their line of sight such that um, he wants to have this intimate relationship with them and he wants to lead them in their life. And that they would even in this moment just lift this simple prayer to say, God, I'm tired of doing life all by myself. I know I can't do it. And so I invite Jesus, the one who has forgiven my sins, to lead my life. And that in the moment as they do that authentically, from their heart, that your Holy Spirit will immediately invade them and begin to help them walk that out. And I pray all of this with great hope and expectation in Jesus' name. Amen.